0: But this series is all about us looking into the Bible and getting a biblical basis for these three circles. If you remember two weeks ago, uh, we looked at the first circle, which is God's design. We looked at this concept. The Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, Uh, Science books tell us that the earth was created by billions and billions and years of random chance and weird stuff just kind of happening and and all of these circumstances came together and now all of a sudden we're here. Uh, We know that not to be the truth. We know that the Bible says the truth is that God created the heavens and the earth, the moon, the stars, the sky, everything, our mountains, our animals, our trees, and then the ultimate part of His creation was mankind. He created us. Male and female, He created us. We looked at Genesis and we looked at the creation account and saw that we were designed to have a perfect, harmonious relationship with the God of the heavens. It was crazy. Adam and Eve walked with God. They had a perfect relationship with the Father. There was no pain in the world. There was no sin in the world. There was no disappointment. There was no guilt or shame or anything. God's design for mankind was perfect. And so we looked at that. We looked how that has been so severely messed up since the fall. That was week two. We looked at brokenness. We looked at this last week. We looked at the circle of brokenness. All you have to do is look outside or even look in your own home or look outside or to your neighbor's home or watch the news or open up Facebook or whatever. And you realize that this world that we live in is absolutely broken. We are surrounded, absolutely surrounded by brokenness because of our sin. And last week we looked in, we kind of dove in to the sin concept and where did it all start? Whose fault was it? Right. We kind of pointed our finger at Adam and Eve. We said, those suckers, man, if they could have done their job, right? There was just one rule, just one rule, right? Do whatever you want. They had no rules other than just don't eat from that tree, right? And what did they do? They ate from the tree. We also looked at the concept that they weren't even interested in the tree until Satan brought them to it. Until Satan starts talking with Eve and he says, hey, what about that tree? I mean, her brain wasn't even looking at this. She wasn't even interested in the tree. It wasn't until she began being tempted by the evil one that she started to think. And he started to plant seeds in her mind and brings her to the tree and says, Surely God didn't... Like, she was tricked into this thing. And we can easily point our finger at them, you know, and say, It's your fault. But we also looked at the very basics, the Ten Commandments, right? We looked at... The very basics, the Ten Commandments, and we said, even based here, we, we don't need any help, right? We don't need to blame Adam and Eve because we are just as messed up. We, we are good enough on our own making our own chaos, right? We don't need any help sinning. We do that all on our own. We looked at the Ten Commandments, right? We, I mean, I failed. I got 0% on this test, Right? Uh, to covet right we looked at that most of us if not all of us have coveted in our lives we've lied we've stolen stuff we've committed adultery by looking at someone with lust we looked at all of these things we said we are broken because it's in our blood we also looked at the concept that if your parents if you are parents in the room you probably maybe have one or two rules right you have one thing that the kids aren't supposed to touch they have a hundred Toys, but they only want to touch that one thing, right? You give them one rule, and that's the only rule. They end up breaking because we love forbidden fruit. It's in our blood. We want. We will strive for the things that we can't have. This is our problem of brokenness that we're dealing with, and so that's what we spent our time on last week. And it was kind of depressing. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of depressing to talk about this. This idea that we are surrounded by sin and brokenness. But today, we get to talk about circle number three. Thank God that the gospel is a reality. Because that sin and that brokenness is only for a period of time. Okay? Thank God that the gospel exists. Amen? And so, like like last week, what I want for us to do is kind of dive into the Bible and look at what does the Bible say about the gospel? And I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked you last week. If you were to choose one verse, some of you have grown up in church, you know the Bible. I know you do. Some of you don't know the Bible at all, and that's okay. If you're one of those people that thinks you kind of know the Bible a little bit, and maybe you've heard some verses about the gospel, if I were to ask you... What is one verse in the Bible that explains the gospel well? And I think I know what you're going to say already. I think I know, just like I knew last week, I was right last week. Let me see if I know you right uh, this week. If you're just tell me one verse that explains the gospel, tell me what you think it would be. John 3.16, who said that? Leanne. See, I know you guys, right? Man, I already had it on the screen. I already had it on the screen. John 3, 16. This is the gospel in a very small, concise, short little verse. What does it say? It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. How many of you have memorized that verse at some point in your life? Many of you know that verse. Many of you have that as a... A verse sticker somewhere in your house. Some of you have it as a tattoo. Some of you have it as a t-shirt somewhere. Like this is the verse. Like you see it everywhere, right? This is the verse that they hold up at football games and sporting events and things like this. This is the verse that Tim Tebow got in so much trouble about, right? was the John 3.16 verse because it's absolutely clear. Even if you go to In-N-Out Burger, John 3.16 is there on the bottom of your cup. Did any of you not know that? Look at the bottom of the cup; it's right there. If you look at the bottom of the fries, it's Proverbs something. There's a Proverbs printed. Uh, Proverbs, I think it's 27. something. anyway, there's a proverb just printed right there on the bottom of In and Out. It's obviously Christian-run organization, um, but yeah, I mean, John 3:16 is everywhere because it is a short, sweet, and absolutely concise description of the gospel which is that jesus came to save us because he loves us he loves us so much look at i mean for god so loved the world even though it was broken even though it was all messed up even though we had sinned and we had gone far away from god his love was overpowering so much That He sent His Son, and that's what we're celebrating next week. He sends His Son Jesus to come and live as a human. Live a perfect life to give us an example to follow. But then ultimately to give His life on the cross and be resurrected from the dead so we could be saved. That's the Gospel message. It's simple and it's concise and it's right there in one verse. And I love it. But if you know me, and some of you know me, you know that I love Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 is my go-to section of the Bible. This is my favorite chunk of the Bible right here. Ephesians chapter 2. And probably because I'm a preacher, because it basically says John 3.16, what it says in one verse, it says in 10. Like, you know, preachers just like to talk, right? And so... This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. We've looked at this time and time again. In fact, we looked at it last week. And I love this section of Ephesians because it gives the whole story. It gives all three circles. It gives us all three circles right here in Ephesians. Look at what it says. It says, and you were... What's the next word? The fourth word. You were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them too, we all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by children and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. This is the bad news. We were dead in our transgressions. Transgressions. We were sons and daughters of disobedience, pursuing the lusts of our flesh. We were broken. And then, my very favorite word in the whole Bible. Two words here. But God. We were all of those things. But God. Being rich in mercy because of this... Ooh, I didn't move it. But God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He had loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, He made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you've been saved. And He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, even though we were dead in our sin. Jesus came to save us. This is the gospel, folks. Look, it continues. And then probably another verse that you may have memorized, verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. If you know anything about me, you know that this is my go-to section of the Bible. Uh, if I could get a t-shirt made with this whole verse, I probably would wear it every day. Like, this is my life verse, Verse is, I guess. Because it gives us the whole gospel, it gives us the truth of the gospel, that we were sons and daughters of wrath but God in His mercy came and gave us life through His Son, Jesus. And we've been created. We've been created through through this mercy and grace gift. We've been created to be made new and walk in that newness of life. This is the Gospel. Now, as we look at our three circles, it's kind of interesting that these circles also kind of are reflected in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Because as you look up at the circles, um, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and this this will apply to you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit and been saved, uh, then this is really Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, laid out in the three circles, that yes, you were dead In your sins and tread I'm sorry, this is... Sorry, let me go one more. If this was... uh, If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you were dead in your sins and trespasses. This is the brokenness that, that we're talking about here. You were a son and daughter of disobedience, pursuing the lusts of your flesh, but you are being made and have been made right by the gospel. You've been made new by Jesus Christ. You've been washed in his blood that you've been made a new creation. And this is continuing to happen day in and day out as he sanctifies you, makes him makes you as God makes you more and more like Jesus. This is happening for you on a daily basis. And you will In the future, become a perfect being when you become when when you gather up when you're gathered up to heaven with God. This is this is that like the whole circle thing kind of spun a little bit. I wanted for us to look at this for just a few minutes because these circles can be shown to really anyone. If we go back to the other circle. And you're talking to someone who has never prayed to receive Christ, you can talk to them from this perspective that presently they're living in brokenness. That they're struggling, that they're hurting, that there are things that they don't have any control of. That they're presently living in a state of brokenness. But Jesus came so that they might live a true life again. And they can, even today, if you're someone in here and I'm looking around, and I think most of you are probably saved, as I look around, I'm thinking about those that are on our list here, our not yet list. These are the people that are not yet believers in Jesus, that you've written their names down, that prayerfully you are praying for continually. These are the people that as we look at this, they're presently living in a state of brokenness. That they're surrounded by pain and heartache and things like that. But we pray that in the future, even today, tomorrow, this week, next week, that they will respond to the gospel. Okay, That they will respond to the gospel. That's our prayer. So keep praying for those people on the list there, on our not yet list. Now, this whole circle thing. I wanted to explain to you my own life, like how it worked out for me. And this whole circle thing, you know, it, it lasted about 25 years for me. And I just want to share with you for a few minutes my own circle story see i grew up you my mom and grandma are both here in the back uh solid christian women that have pretty much gone to church all of their lives and um i've gone to church all of my life uh grew up in church was at church pretty much every time the church doors were open um and so that's just what the clarksons did or the caps did you just go to church because you're supposed to go to church right and so that's what i did and as a young kid i went i learned the concepts i memorized john three sixteen. i did all of those things like you're supposed to i did my part as a person in a christian family when i was nine years old i was at a vacation bible school at west phoenix baptist church and the pastor said, if you don't want to go to hell, you better pray this prayer. And so I said, I don't want to go to hell. Right? So I prayed this prayer. And he says, those of you that prayed the prayer, come on forward. And so I went on forward. And he says, you're now saved. And I said, great. Right? And he goes, now it's time to dunk you. And I said, let's get it on. Right? And so at nine years old, I was baptized. I had done my duty. I did what was expected of me. And honestly, honestly... Nothing really changed. Didn't really change too much. I mean, I was nine, so, you know, I wasn't like a little alien running around doing crazy stuff. But my life really didn't change that much. And as I grew older, my priorities began to change. When you get into junior high and high school, many of you know that your focus becomes less family and more friends. And my focus was more parties and girls. And doing things that you do with girls. And my life really went in a different direction. But, I was at church every Sunday. Because that's what we do. right? We go to church. And so I just began to do my own thing. Pursue my own path. But on Sundays, you better believe I was at church. And so what I would do is I would put on the Christian mask on Sunday morning. I would go to church say the right things, put on the church t-shirt, go to church, and then Sunday, you know, Sunday afternoon, take off the mask, and the real logie lived Monday through Saturday. Pursued my own desires, didn't really think much about God. In fact, did lots of stuff that was totally against God. And that was the true me. But my family didn't know, my pastor didn't know, the people at church just thought, oh, that's a good old little loggy church boy, you know because i was fooling them i was just playing a game i was lying to everyone in the church and as i thought about this i began to feel more and more guilty i had done this for about 25 years i had lived my own life i was an adult now about 25 years old pursuing life at the bar scene and Ladies and all those things and pursuing, trying to find life through my career and making money, which I was making good money. And then I met this chick, right? Her name is Lori. She said, let's get married. And I said, yeah, let's do that, right? I was in love and she was in love. And then one day after we were engaged, she said, nah, boy, it ain't happening. She broke up with me. We were already planning the wedding and she came to me and she said, you know what? I realize I'm not going to marry a fake. I realize who you really are. You're just a fake. You're a fraud. You're not a true Christian. You just you just play the game on Sunday, but you're not a real believer in Jesus Christ. And it was at that point that I realized that like everything that I had been hoping for in a wife and in a girl that would come and like I had lost it all. And I was destroyed. I was heartbroken. And I realized in the next few days that I truly was. I mean, I saw the error of my ways. God used that woman to open up my eyes to the truth that I was a Pharisee. I was a fraud. I was a fake. And I went to my pastor at the time, Pastor Tager. Lots of you know him. I went to Pastor Tager and I said, man, I've been lying to you for years. And I... I'm broken, man. And I had the tears and the snot and everything. I was on his floor in his office just bawling my eyes out saying, I don't know what to do. And he says, yeah, you do. You know what to do. You need to give your heart to Jesus, man. And so in his office in that moment, I, I finally, after 25 years of faking it, I finally and truthfully gave my heart to Jesus in that office. And I started to transform relatively quickly because i had already had all of the kind of bible knowledge i knew all of the things i was supposed to do now all i had to do is actually just start doing them like apply the things that i would learned for 25 years and so god pretty quickly through experiencing god uh, bible study and through accountability with my pastor and stuff began truly transforming my life that is when i responded to the gospel and god began to change me and lori saw in the next few weeks or month or whatever it was that i truly had given my heart to christ and she's like all right wedding's back on and i'm like whoo man right and god transformed me over the next few years so much so that i began feeling this angst in my heart that i i wasn't doing for a living what i was designed to do and that i was really being called to go into the pastorate but That was a huge, um, what do we call those, HAGs, right? For me, that was a big, hairy, audacious goal because I was making good money, okay, in the job that I had before. And I was going to give up all that money to make like no money being a youth pastor? That was kind of sketchy. I'm not going to lie. That was tough. And it took us about two years to finally decide that yes, we would follow God into ministry. And I quit my job in law enforcement and became the youth pastor over at Oasis. And that was, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years now. God transformed my life. Like it is a life transformation gospel. That's what the gospel is, everybody. It is a life transforming story. And this is the type of story that you have probably. You have a life transformation story if you've received the Gospel. This is the type of story that we want the people around us to experience. I'm looking out at some of you that I know your story. Some of you have been transformed radically. And that's awesome. We want to share this story, your story, and my story, the story of the Gospel. We want to share it with the people that live right around us that are living in that brokenness. We talked about them last week. There are so many people around us that are living in brokenness. Let's go and engage them with the gospel. Let's engage them with the gospel any way that we can. Whether it's through these parties or henna tattoos or whatever it is. Let's go and engage these broken people with the Gospel so that way they can be made new in Christ. That is our prayer. You know, in brokenness, and so many people, so many people are living right here. When you're in brokenness, you're. most people are trying to find life somehow. They try to find true life through relationships or family or fishing Mm, got a little close to home there right like trying to find life through good things like you know job and family and friends good things like that and sometimes people try to find true life in bad things like drugs and alcohol and sex and and crime and like but listen it Even the things that are good, family, church even. Let me say something that may sound weird to you. You will not find true life in church attendance. You will not find true life just coming here and and sitting through the motions and going through the motions. You will not find true life in your family or your career or making money. There is only true life found through Jesus Christ. There is only true life found through Jesus Christ. Even the good things like fishing, right? You will not find true life in fishing. You may have fun. You may find some friends. But you will not find true life. And eventually, we all get to the point when we're pursuing true life in our brokenness. We're trying to figure it out. We're doing our own things. That's what those little squiggly lines are all about. Some of those squiggly lines are us trying to find true life in good things, and some of them are bad. But they all lead us back to heartbrokenness. Because we have a hole here in our heart that only Jesus Christ fills. Absolutely only Jesus Christ fills that hole. You'll never fix your brokenness. For finding true life in anything else, even church, you will not find true life in church. It's only found in Jesus. The gospel, this thing right here that we're talking about, the gospel is the only solution to our brokenness. So let's go and be a church, be a people that shares the gospel with people. That's what our engage events are all about. That's what I want you to take on as a challenge, to find a way that you can, after you're trained, share these three circles with someone. Maybe it's someone in your bridge club, your bunco club, or maybe it's someone at the Elks Club, or maybe, maybe it's someone at your golf course, or maybe it's someone at school, or wherever it is. Find someone that you know that is living in brokenness and share the gospel story with them and watch God open up doors in their life and transform them radically from the inside out just like you've experienced. That's the goal for 2018 is that we can find some people and I know that you know them. They're already up, we've already written their names up here on the board. That we can find ways to share the gospel with those people. That's our plan and our vision for 2018. Now, the question that's up on the screen is, where are you in this, what do you want to call it? In in these circles, like where are you? Are you living in a state of brokenness? Like how many of you here today would say, I am just, Lost and broken. I've never responded to the gospel. Maybe some of you have said, Well, I, I'm i saved. But man, I, I got some problems. Like, I'm not acting like I'm saved. I'm acting more like I'm broken. Where are you on the continuum? Where are you in this cycle? Are you where you're supposed to be? Maybe if you're someone here who's never responded to the gospel, that, that's your first step. It took me 25 years of faking it to finally give my heart to Christ. Maybe today's the day for one of you. You know how you respond to the gospel? You say, God, I believe that you sent Jesus to save me. I believe that he came to, to die for me. He can forgive my sin. Father, I pray that You forgive my sin. You make me a new creation, I'm going to turn away from that old life and start living for You. If you have that simple conversation with God, a simple prayer with God. And the Bible says that He sends the Holy Spirit into your heart. He'll forgive that sin, past, present, and future. And you will live with Him for eternity. And you'll begin to start living god's design for your life begin to start having fellowship with him again instead of the separation that you'll begin to start walking with him and talking with him and living a new life with him as your guide him as your savior that's my prayer and there's some of you that are probably saying well i'm saved and i'm i feel like i'm doing pretty good Well, then your job is to pray for those who are in this state of brokenness right here. Then our job is to share what Christ is doing in our heart with those people around us. So I want you to commit to praying for those people that you wrote down two weeks ago. Keep praying for them. Don't just write their name down and not pray for them. Pray for them. That we might have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. So my challenge to you and we're done here. My challenge to you is that you will, in January, on Thursday nights, I'm not sure exactly when we're starting, probably like second or third week in January, we will start our training. With these three circles training, it's six weeks long. We'll do Thursday night, I think an hour and a half is as long as we'll go. And we'll train. We'll watch a little video, we'll practice drawing the circles sharing it, verbally speaking with each other, practicing with each other, and then finding someone in town, the next, a friend, a family member, someone that you can share that story with. We're going to start training. My prayer is that you will commit to doing that training with us. My prayer is that you'll commit to coming and engaging the community in 2018 with us on those second and fourth Sundays of the month. That's my prayer. Because for Ecclesia, we are going to engage this community with the gospel. We're not just going to keep talking about it. We've been talking about it for a long time. It's time to do it. It's time for us to go and engage people with the gospel. So what does that look like for you in your own life? We're offering a few options, some training, some prayer time, some things like that. We want to go as a people and engage the community right around us. And we pray that you join us in that.